0: Hello, and welcome to Ryan O'Brien's Bible Bistro, a podcast all about the Bible, theology, and all things related to the Christian faith. I'm the Ryan half of Ryan and Brian, and this is episode number 40. We are continuing our Advent series this week, focusing on the theme of peace, through the prophet Micah. We discuss not only what Micah said, but Brian and I chat a bit about how we live out peace in our world today. Uh, We know it's not easy, and so Brian and I chat about that a little bit and how we can live uh, more at peace with the world as Christians today. Before we get started, if you're enjoying the podcast, would you mind leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or a review on Facebook? If that's not your thing, would you just mind sharing uh, this episode or any other episode with some of your friends? We'd love to expand our audience. All right, let's jump into this episode looking at peace and Micah. Hey, Brian, welcome
1: back to the Bistro. Hey, Ryan, I uh, like any any Bistro day is a good day.
0: It is. <laughs> we like we like the Bistro every day. every day's is a Bistro day, is right? It? That's what we talked about for I you. Every day true. is a Bistro day yeah, for something you. Something like uh... it's joyful. Anyway, you got to listen to the last episode if yeah, you missed to understand it. That. We can hear okay. the many shades of Brian. So um,
1: yes. Yeah, so what are we talking about today? We're continuing Advent. Yeah, we've been talking about Advent for the past several weeks, and this is the last week of Advent before Ooh. Christmas. So this will be released uh, the week leading up to when we remember the birth of Jesus, the incarnation. So yeah.
0: Hopefully, you've got your Christmas shopping done because that's what the season's all about. Is that <laughs> correct?
1: I don't think so. No, no. Oh, you keep, keep keep bringing me back, Brian. Yeah. I know. Advent is a time... Well, we talked about it. It's a time of expectation. It's a time of waiting, mm-hmm. a time that begins in darkness but leads toward the light. And so, so we've been talking about Advent over the past... Um, Three weeks, I guess so far. So this yes. is the fourth week. We talked so far about hope, and then love, and then joy last week, and then this week, the traditional week of Advent is peace for the fourth week of Advent, which is a cool kind of topic. Uh, so let me ask you a question: When you talk about, when you think about peace, what do you think of? How would you define peace, or what? Well, right, I think let me add maybe in a general sense, how do people define peace? Oh, oh, that gets me off the hook. Yeah. Um, how I think people think about
0: peace is. Lack of conflict. Okay. Like it's just, we're not fighting, but I also don't, I'm not sure that that means peace either because there can still be
1: angsty peace. Sure. Okay. Angsty conflict within. I think peace is a pretty important word uh, for God's people. It, it, it's an important word in the Old Testament. In fact, the word, you know the Hebrew word? Are you kidding me? <laughs> no, I don't know the. Well, I just thought maybe Shalom. Shalom? Oh. See? You know the word. I I know.
0: Well, I I thought it meant
1: hello. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Well, and that's the interesting thing. They use that for a greeting, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. It's still today. Um, uh, Shalom means uh, hello, that kind of greeting, and and it means peace, peace to you is kind of the Mm -hmm. idea. In the New Testament, for example, in the letters, Paul always talks about grace and peace to you in his letters. It's kind of a greeting that he uses there. Kairene, he he uses there. (laughs) What? I know I know you know you know Greek. Oh so yeah, Chorus. S- is the word for uh, grace. Kai means and and then Irene. Uh, irenic is where what we would get our get our word irenic from if you know that English word. <laughs> You're like, I don't even know that English <laughs> Just word. Stop. <laughs> Just stop. Irene means peace in, in Greek. But anyway. Of course, of course. So shalom is the is the is the greeting. Uh Arabic. A sal- a salam you know yes, this, yes. this kind of idea so so it means peace and and here's the the reason I think it's important for God's people in the Old Testament is I would say that peace is the state that God created things to be in now when you talked about peace is an absence of war. I, I would I do this a lot when I was teaching class, and, I, and I, I say this from time to time, is I think it's actually the other way around. War is an absence of peace, or conflict is an absence of peace. So peace is the real thing. Peace is the way that God created us to exist in relation to him and in relation to one another. And conflict is what we've brought into it, right? Oh, uh, we've talked before about, about uh, the effects of the fall and how it brought... Chaos or brokenness in relationship, peace is actually right relationship. I would say right relationship between us and God, right relationship with one another, peace within ourselves. Uh, you know that that kind of an idea of we're at, we use a phrase like at peace. I'm at peace, um, and, and you know peace with creation. That that's kind of the way God created us to be, and so a lack of peace is conflict, then, or a lack of peace is war, or a, a lack of peace is is being um, and not having rest is kind of the idea. It actually goes back to remember when we talked about sin and the nature yes, of sin? And hollowing, hollowing us out. Hollowing out, yeah. An absence of the true thing is really what sin is and I think it's the same with peace and and sometimes we think about it the opposite way. Mm-hmm. Um, in the New Testament, think about some peace words like uh, Jesus says, blessed are the, the peacemakers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peter talks about um, seek peace, he's quoting the Old Testament here, but seek peace and pursue it. So peace is something then that is sought. It's not it's not just kind of, well, if we get rid of war, then then peace is the result. It's it's something that we we seek and we make and we look for and, and this kind of thing. So I find that an interesting idea. So this is the the peace week. We've been looking at the old testament prophets that are in the lectionary for the four weeks of Advent. And in this week, it's uh, Micah chapter 5, uh, a passage we read a lot this this uh, time of year when we're we're leading up to the things about Christmas. So this is Micah chapter 5. Um, when, when you're thinking about peace, though, before we go into Micah 5, I was just thinking this too. We've, we've talked a little bit about this. Last week, we mentioned it just briefly. Uh, you know, when we look at the news, when we read the news around us and we think about it in terms of peace, it's, it's not what mm-hmm. we see today. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, we see division within our country and other places. Um, We see conflict in in various other countries, like open conflict we're talking about and and warfare in in those kind of places. Um, Some of the things we've seen just some horrible stories that have come out uh, over the last little bit about uh, acts that people have done that, that result in death and, and those mm-hmm. kind of things. you know this is this is the world we live in today and, and even you know the thing that disturbs me is even within the church, as I've mentioned before, there is a lack of peace uh between right. brothers and sisters in Christ and and I think that's you know that's something that we need to really think about. And this season is a good time for us to think about again what we have in common uh, about what God is doing in us and what he wants from us as a community. So so we're looking at Micah chapter 5 anyway today. So Micah what do you know about the prophet Micah? <laughs> Stop it. You like you th- it you like it when I put you on the spot. Oh, So, Micah. Th- th- this is a Christmas gift that just keeps on giving. <laughs> Interestingly, Micah was from kind of the outskirts of the area of Judah. So, uh it, it's in, it's kind of interesting. There's kind of a line uh Bethlehem is one of the places that's going to be mentioned today in our text. Tekoa is a place where shepherds are known to come from and then he lived in this little village that even was beyond that. So, quite a ways from Jerusalem rural area. Uh, we don't know too much about what his occupation was. Some people think he may have been a farmer, some of the images that he uses in this kind of thing. Other people think he might have been um, someone who lived in the village and, and maybe had some kind of a craft, like he was a builder or something along those lines. We don't really know. but But Micah's prophecy... Is, uh, is focus, <laughs> we've, t- we've talked about this before, profits always arise during times of a problem. Mm-hmm. And so Micah was really focused on doing away with injustice, and with in, in, inequity is really what he was he was concerned about, and so again think about this somebody from kind of not from the city, not from Jerusalem, but from the outskirts. Uh, we think his prophecies were given. He would go into Jerusalem and and speak. So you can kind of imagine this kind of country bumpkin who comes in, comes and, in, right, and in into the where the religious elite gather and all this kind of thing. But prophets always arise. During times of, of trouble, when, when the kings are not doing what they're supposed to be doing, when the priests are not leading the people in the way that, that's to be gone. So historically, let me give you a little context, is um, um, uh, Micah was an early contemporary of Isaiah— and in fact, we're going to see a little bit of overlap with Isaiah's early prophecy here today. So if you think about the early part of Isaiah and Micah's prophecy, they kind of line up. So he says in the very in chapter one, he says that he was prophesying during the reigns of Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. So if you think about that kind of period of time, earlier than we looked at was Zephaniah last week, for example. But uh, Jotham and Ahaz, and of course, Ahaz particularly was, was a, a period of time where... Ahaz was not trusting in God, but he was looking toward Egypt for help. Uh, at this point is what we call the Assyrian threat. So this the, the, the Assyrian empire was coming down from the north. We're talking about the period of time when um, the northern kingdom is destroyed, being destroyed, actually. And then Assyria had its sights set on the southern kingdom. And so Ahaz, instead of trusting in God, instead of trusting in what Isaiah said, went and looked for help. Uh, elsewhere. And so uh, during that period of time, again, the kings are not trusting in God, priests are not doing their jobs, and so this was a really important time of prophecy. Now, Hezekiah is one of my favorite uh, uh, kings in the Old Testament, and you might remember during his reign, he kind of led people back toward God, and he, it's 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 Hezekiah that prays in the temple uh, when Sennacherib is getting ready to destroy Jerusalem yep. and, uh, you know, the Syrians end up you know, having overnight the Assyrian army is is, uh, is destroyed. Mm-hmm. And so God saves his people because of Hezekiah's prayer and because of his calling the people back to faithfulness. So that's the historical setting. Then particularly I think what we're looking at today is kind of Ahaz, during Ahaz's uh, reign. Then we have Micah calling for... Um, Injustice to be done away with. So, so here's the thing I'll say about Mike. Again, you can kind of imagine him as this kind of rural, 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 rural character. Rural, rural, <laughs> rural. Sure. Thanks. Uh-huh. But he's, uh, he, he's, he's coming in. And he's really calling for action. He really wants people's behavior to change. In other words, it's not just us thinking or feeling the same, the the right way, but us doing what's right in relation to those who are uh, oppressed or those who are poor, those who are in need of our help. Uh, so it's a good good thing again to think about during this season leading up to the to the coming of Christ. So that's that's Micah. Questions to this point or anything you want to add? Uh,
0: no, because I don't I don't know the stuff you're talking about. I mean, I understand what you're saying now, but just that he's right. out in the country and coming in. Right. There's a little bit of a class thing happening right. there where he's a country guy Absolutely. and then there's the, the elites.
1: Yeah. Read read verse 1 of chapter 5. This isn't really part of our text today, but this kind of helps set the scene for it. Just read Micah yeah. 5, 1.
0: Marshal your troops now, city of troops, for a siege is laid against you. They will strike
1: Israel's ruler on the cheek with a rod. So this this idea that this is, again, this is a time of warfare, this is a time where um, the enemy is coming against Jerusalem, against God's people, uh, the king of Judah, you know, is going to be struck on the cheek, you know, in other words, he's going to be, he's going to... Be insulted, be harmed, right? And so, so that's the uh, siege is laid against you. And if you think about again the Assyrians, that's what they did. They came and laid siege against Jerusalem, and that's you know Hezekiah was shut up inside uh, inside Jerusalem. Uh, as we say. so so that's kind of the the context. But then read verses two down through the very first line of verse five. So we're not going to read all of verse five. Well I'll read a little bit more of it later, but look okay. right now, here's this is actually the text for this Sunday is Micah chapter two, or I'm sorry, Micah chapter five verses two through five a.
0: Yes, but you Bethlehem, how do I say that? F-f. Ephrathah. Ephrathah. Though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come from me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Therefore Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor bears a son, and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth, and he will be our peace when he...
1: That's as far as you have to go right now. So we'll we'll come back to the, read the rest of it. Yeah, it kind of ends there, and he will be our peace. Mm -hmm. Some people think, in fact, the line should end there. It's just the way the verses have been. Done that, kind of give us a different way of thinking about it. But we'll come back to. I'm not gonna. It's not. I'm I'm not just gonna cut it off there. We'll look at the context. You know, context is very important for me. So here's this idea. Again, we hear this passage a lot at Christmas because of this idea of Bethlehem. And you you kind of stumbled over Ephrathah, but Mm. but it's this idea. uh, It's a region. Ephrathah is the region we think of this area. There were a couple of Bethlehem's. There was one further to the north, and then there's this Bethlehem. Uh, and you you've been to you visited Bethlehem. Yes, uh-huh. It's not not far from Jerusalem. In no, fact, not at t- all. Today, Jerusalem. It's right, right <laughs> yeah, there. It's, it's really all kind of part of you have to, now. You have to go through a checkpoint to get yes. there. <laughs> Ironically, as we're talking about peace and lack of division, uh, but you have to go through. It's technically in in Palestine, Palestine right? Mm-hmm. It's it's a part of the Palestine, run by the Palestinian Authority, but um, but Bethlehem. Uh Ephrathah is, is right there. Uh, there were a couple of different Bethlehems, as I mentioned, but that, that Ephrathah refers to that, to that region then. Okay. Now, the interesting thing here, it says that Bethlehem, even though you're small among the tribes of Judah or clans of Judah, uh, out of you will come this great ruler. So there's an irony here of... Um, Greatness coming from smallness. Uh, of course, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, would have been known as the place, uh, f- further on back from, from the Old Testament, would have been known as the place where David was descended from. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you remember the story of Ruth, for example, it takes place in Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this, you know, what we call in Luke, the city of David, is referring to this place of his birth. Uh, so that's again what brings Joseph and Mary back and that's why Jesus becomes born in Bethlehem and fulfills this prophecy, which is kind of kind of a cool part of this. So so this this idea though, is that out of smallness will come greatness. And that's kind of one of the themes of, of Christmas, if you think about it. Uh, we, we think about this this eternal ruler who comes from uh, a baby born in in really humble beginnings you know uh, not not born in the palace as we often say but born in the in the manger born where the where the animals were kept and so so this idea of you know out of out of the lowly out of the small will come god's work uh, it, again it, it focuses and it's not an unusual thing it focuses upon that god is the one who's doing this thing and not not humans it is an overturning of expectation that this is not going to happen the, the normal way we think about power or might or military force uh, but it is god doing his work making things the way that they should be bringing us back to to peace let's 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 come to um through This one born in a manger, and so that's kind of what we're pointing toward with this idea. Even though you're smallest, uh, this great ruler is going to going to come from you. Unexpected, we could say, unlikely means of salvation is kind of the word that we might we might think of if you were living in the time of the birth of Jesus. And you were looking forward to salvation, which I've talked about before, was really salvation from from Rome. Right. Um, then you would have been looking for a military leader, uh, and that's not, of course, what Jesus was. But he came instead humbly. He came, uh, you know, in in a in a different way, overturned expectations. It's also interesting in that first verse it says this ruler is from ancient times. Um, now. I think there's a couple po- possibilities of what this means. Ancient times usually refers back to the to the period of the patriarchs and that kind of an mm-hmm. idea. And so part of the idea is the Messiah had been prophesied for a long period of time. This is what you've been talking about the Old Testament? And yeah, this is a long, the long story. Yeah, the long l- game. Yeah, the long thread that kind of runs throughout the, the the Old Testament. So from ancient times, I think it can also refer to, in Proverbs it does this, and even in uh, Daniel we see a similar kind of... Um, uh, phrase when it refers to God as the ancient, ancient of of days, days, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think it may even refer back to before creation. And so this idea, even though this is a ruler that is coming now, this is a ruler that is from ancient days. And, and so I think this idea, kind of the preexistence of Christ, this Messiah is going to be a different kind. He, he's born of David. He's from the line of David, but man, this is a different kind of king mm-hmm. uh, and, and talks about the divinity of Jesus, I think, is 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 possibly what this is... Uh, referring to uh, as well. Then in verse three, if you look back there, it talks about this idea that Israel will be – what does it say? It will be um, – Abandoned. Abandoned. And, and so this is looking forward to that – not looking forward to. I would <laughs> say that, don't I? This is this is a prophecy, a, a forward-looking prophecy of that time when Babylon is going to destroy Israel. And it, it's it's going to be desolate. It's going to be a sign of the judgment that's coming. But it will be abandoned until – it says that time comes when the woman will give birth to a son,
0: when she who was in labor bears a son.
1: And, and so this idea of labor, we've talked before about labor pains, is an appropriate image for this idea of being in in difficult times, but new life comes out of that. It goes back probably all the way, talking about ancient times. Uh, we always say the first prophecy of the Messiah is Genesis chapter three, mm-hmm. verse fourteen. Uh, if you remember that, pastors at fifteen, um, but it says that um, you know the the one who's born of woman will crush the head of the serpent uh, and so that idea that that there's going to be this one who's going to be born of woman becomes very important. Now I mentioned that Micah was a contemporary of the early part of the book of Isaiah as well. And Isaiah chapter 7 is another passage that we use a lot at Christmas. Do you remember who the king was in Isaiah 7 off the top of your head? I do not. Ahaz. Ahaz was. And so I- Isaiah comes to him and again, you know, Ahaz is going oh we got this a syrian you know i, I give Ahaz has a hard time and rightfully so but but if you are he king, doesn't mind he doesn't mind if you are a king he may if you are a king yeah, i get to the age to come and a has a has a word he wants a word with you yeah um, i listen to your podcast and i got a problem I got, I got some problems. I got, with some, I got a beef with you. There's so, no that's
0: peace. We got a peace.
1: Yeah, that's uh that's the uh the airing of the grievances is a different holiday. <laughs> that's uh festivus, festivus. right? Yeah. So anyway, the 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 idea Have forgotten, completely forgotten what I was gonna say. Isaiah Oh yeah, Isaiah seven. So Ahaz and I, I've said again that you can kind of understand if he was the king, and here's this empire, you're king of Judah, northern kingdom has been destroyed, here is this, here is this, Empire that's bearing down on you, this army, mm-hmm. and they're getting ready to to come and invade your country. The northern cities of of Judah are starting to get taken over, and you can imagine that you would you would kind of be thinking, "I got to do something about this." It's the same way we kind of react sometimes when difficult times come. What am I going to do about this? Right, right. When the 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 appropriate first response of the people of God is Hezekiah's response, is to say, "The Lord is is the one I'm going to look to for my help." Um, He takes and he spreads out the letter from Sennacherib that makes fun of God, spreads it out before God, and and basically says, this is in your hands. Uh, And so it's a a sign of trust. But Ahaz isn't doing that. So God sends Isaiah specifically to Ahaz, and he says, um, you know, God is going to take care of this for you. This um, nation that you're afraid of is going to be laid waste, and then he says this, and, th- and we never read it this way. He says, um, he says to Ahaz, ask for any God says to Ahaz, ask for any sign in the heavens above or below that, that this is what's going to happen. And Ahaz says, Oh, I wouldn't, I would never put the Lord to the test. You know, it sounds very righteous, righteous and pious. Yes, yeah. But then Isaiah comes back and says, The Lord himself will give you a sign. Like, how dare you if, if God asks you to You know, it tells you to give him, you know, ask for a sign. You should do that. Mm -hmm. But he says, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. That's. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, very similar parallel to this we have in Micah, that Israel will be abandoned until the time comes when she, uh, the woman, will be with child and give birth to a son. So looking forward to this idea of the Messiah coming, who's going to, again, bring all things, um, make all things right. Uh, And then the same thing we talked about last week, the remnant, his brothers will be brought back to Israel along with him. Mm Mm-hmm. All of his family, you know, this remnant, this righteous remnant, the ones who are like him, will be brought back together and will be a part of God's people here in this place. And then in verse four, it talks about this idea of shepherding. Now, I mentioned Tacoa was known for the shepherds. I mentioned this this village yeah. that mm-hmm. that Micah is from. He's he's from beyond Tacoa. In fact, I, I keep forgetting. Look in chapter one, see if you can find the name of the village. I, I should have looked it
0: up. Okay, I keep, keep
1: forgetting it, um, but. Uh, uh, he mentions this idea, um, Morasheth. that's where it's from, mm-hmm. but out beyond Ticoa. So this idea of shepherds is one that would have been familiar to him, but as I've said before, shepherding, uh, shepherds was was a word that was used... For the rulers. For the rulers. And Isaiah talks about... Jeremiah talks about the wicked shepherds. Isaiah talks about this one who will shepherd his people. And so here's this idea that Micah uses the same idea. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord and in the majesty of the Lord. In other words, he's going to do this not like Ahaz, <laughs> not like Jotham, right? Uh-huh. But he's going to shepherd the people in a way that's in keeping with what the Lord wants from them and in, the, in the, this idea of the majesty of the Lord his God, and then they will live securely. Uh, so they they will no longer need to fear. Uh, same thing we saw again last last week with Zephaniah, but they will no longer need to fear. And then it says, "His greatness will reach the ends of the earth." What do you think that's that's referring to? What do you think? Why do you think that's an important part of this whole prophecy? Would you say? Why do I think it's important? Yeah, uh, what do you think
0: that refers to? Holy Spirit.
1: Oh, yeah, well, I think so. Yeah, I think that's... Yeah, the that's, God's kingdom is not just here; is a universal kingdom. Right? It's, it's yeah, it's not just about Israel, it's but about the, the whole. World. The greatness of this king is over the whole world. Uh, you may think of uh, there's all kinds of passages that come to mind. Obviously, but chapter 19 of the Gospel of John immediately mm-hmm. comes to my mind, where um, you know, uh, Pilate says to Jesus, "Are you the King of the Jews?" And uh, you know, he says, "Well, who told you, you know, about me? Was it?" And 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 Pilate says, "Your people have, have told me." And and uh, you know, the 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 problem there is that Jesus is is saying, I'm not just the king of the Jews, but I'm the king of all those who are on the side of truth, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, For this reason, I came into the world, right? That all who are on the side of truth will listen to me. And so so there's that idea that that this is a universal kingdom. Uh, it's an eternal kingdom in terms of length, but it's also a universal kingdom in terms of scope to the very ends of the earth. And so we think about, and we've talked about this before, of course, it was God's plan from the beginning, Right? E- even from... Abraham, you know, it's not just that your offspring will be a blessing to themselves; it will be your offspring will be a blessing to all peoples on the face of the earth. Some translate that all families on the face of the earth will be blessed through him. But this idea that that um, the Messiah who's coming will be a king to the very ends of the earth, and, and you think think then with what Jesus said to his disciples that your task is, is to you know to make disciples of all nations and you think about Paul saying that that this is a message that we're taking to the ends of the earth that this is this is what our marching orders are is to make sure that the entire earth knows the, the this this gospel knows this good news so let's talk then about this um, let me see was there anything else I was going to say Do um, you have any questions or anything that you want to add uh uh-uh. uh <laughs> no, nope. no I don't <laughs> So this idea he will shepherd his, uh, his, uh, his, he will reign to the end end, end of the his reign will be to the end of the earth. And then the, the really the point then of this week of, of advent is this idea of peace. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it says that he will be our peace. Now, there's two places in the New Testament that I think that picks up on this very clearly. One of them, Paul, I think, is almost certainly echoing this passage from Micah chapter 5. If you look at Ephesians chapter 2, of course, that's a pretty important passage because it talks about this dividing wall of his hostility, if you look earlier in chapter 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and primarily here, Paul is talking about Jew and Gentile, which was a major separating thing. Of course, for him specifically as a Jewish person who's given this message right. that really this is for the Gentiles as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, of course, he gets in trouble for that. He gets beaten sometimes, stoned. You know, he gets in serious trouble uh, because he's carrying this message to the, to the whole world. And he saw that as what his calling was, that that he was supposed to be doing this. Um, so he talks about this dividing wall of hostility between Jew and Gentile. But then he says that he has, in, in Jesus has in his body taken that away. And then what does he say here in verse uh, 14?
0: For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility.
1: So that's that's that idea he himself is our peace. Same thing Micah said, he is our peace. This king who's going to come, who's going to ends of the earth, not just Israel, not just some kingdoms, ends of the earth is is who this is this is a message for. And then Paul picks up on that says Jesus himself is our peace who has who has um, taken away that dividing wall of hostility. So you think about some of the barriers some of the dividing walls in our time uh, we mentioned uh, Palestine and Israel uh, this this um, you know the Palestinians uh, and the, the the Jewish people who who have this literally a dividing wall, wall yeah. in, in Bethlehem of all places, right um, that they have to go through in order to and it's it's a huge barrier right It's a yes. big metal what, 25 30 mm-hmm. foot wall. Uh, and, and it, if
0: you're Jew- the Jewish guides have to get off the bus and different right. ca- i mean it's a yeah there's there's, there's a guides distinct that are just barrier. for
1: for, for uh, uh, Palestine yeah different vehicles you know there's only certain vehicles that are allowed in and out and, and so it, it it's that idea of, of the divisions in our country we think about the divisions that are taking place right now mm-hmm. uh, racial divisions mm-hmm. um, political divisions ideological divisions um, divisions uh, over um, economics, you know, all all these different. Any way
0: you can be divided. Any we're way divided. You can be
1: divided. We are. I was preaching just a few weeks ago, and I said this from the pulpit: is in my lifetime. Of course, I'm a little bit older than you are, Ryan. <laughs> but in my lifetime, I never remember a time when we were more divided, and and particularly even the church. Is divided. I'm talking about even congregations are divided over how we've responded to the to the um, uh, pandemic and how we should and and all kinds of different things are dividing us right now. Politically, we're being divided. I, I don't ever remember a time now. I don't remember the Vietnam War. Uh, I don't remember the. Um, the earlier the the uh, you know Martin Luther King for example in the civil and the civil rights movement. Uh, so during my lifetime though this is the most divided I ever remember us being. But again the message is that 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 is the absence of the good right. That's the mm-hmm. absence of the way things that should should be. Christ has come to be our peace. Uh, just like Micah prophesied, he came to bring peace uh, to the world. Here's the other one. This is in John 14. This is the night before uh, Jesus was crucified, the night of his arrest. Call this the Upper Room Discourse, John chapter 13 through 17. Very important passage because of that. And, and Jesus has this line. Of course, earlier the the disciples are talking about when 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 Jesus has told them that he's going away. They're upset, and he says, he begins this chapter by saying, don't let your hearts be troubled. A long time ago, it seems like a um, a, a year ago almost, we did this passage on what he means by this in, in uh, the beginning of chapter 14. Don't let your hearts be troubled. You trust in God. Believe also in me. I go to prepare a place for you, right? Right. But then here uh, toward the end of this, he repeats that idea of don't let your hearts be troubled. In fact, I think there's technically what's called an inclusio here. But read verse 27 of chapter 14. Peace I
0: leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid.
1: So he kind of concludes that whole section on don't don't be troubled, because I'm leaving you. He talked about the advocate, the Holy Spirit, you were mm-hmm. talking about the Holy Spirit comes and, and he he says, I'm leaving you my peace. Not like the world's kind of peace. It's not not. A, I, I would say if you want to talk about, it's not a bartered peace. Not a bartered peace. Not a, just an absence of warfare, right? Mm-hmm. But it is it is a true uh, a life that's lived in 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 um, um, quietness in in uh, and I don't really mean quietness in the sense of <laughs> lack of activity, mm-hmm. but but it, the the sense of being at peace with ourselves. I think is is really what what he's getting at, and that's that's really the message of what. Christ came to bring. He came to bring us peace. Um, it, it's really a healing of what sin caused in, in creation. Uh, it, it's really a healing of those relationships, as I've said before. Uh, us being right with God, um, you know, reconciliation between us and God, right within ourselves, and right with one another, uh, and right with God's creation itself. That's the peace. Uh, that we wish for. Final kind of thing I'll say, and then ask if there's any questions or any kind of other other points that you want to bring out. But uh, the message of the angels to the shepherds, according to the Christmas story, we'll be looking at that a little bit next week. But but in Luke chapter two, it says uh, that. Um, you know the angel says to the shepherds, "I bring you uh, great news, uh, good news of great joy, uh, that will be for all pe- people." And it's this idea of God's peace, right? Uh, is what's coming—God's peace uh, among His people—and so that's that's kind of the the message that He is He has come, Christ has come, in order to bring us peace. Yeah, I think this is a hard one for me. Is I that mean, right?
0: Well, I mean, I, I understand it needs to bring us peace, but how do I, you know? It's one of those things like, how do I live that out? Yeah. How do mm-hmm. I live out, you know, the blessed are the peacemakers, you yeah. know, in a, in a world like how do I exhibit His peace in a, you know, yeah. in a world that's divided? And you're just kind of like, well, that's exactly when you should be the peace. You know what I mean? It's like it has it's, to be, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just it's it's hard. When I say it's hard, it's just like hard for me to think about. Um, it's easier to be joyful. You know what I mean? Like, mm, and, okay. and, and and some of those other things. It's just it's hard for me to think about how we as Christians we celebrate the peace that, that Jesus brings but also how do we live that out mm, in the, in the world right.
1: in which we exist right and, and sometimes I mean we we sometimes we kind of enjoy conflict right or we stir things up a little bit sometimes right uh, seriously yes. I mean I'm oh, not yeah. not, oh, yeah. not kidding but, uh, but again the, Christmas is a difficult time for some people because of conflict within family and, and these kind of things for some people it's not a joyful time because they think about the difficulties with family there's all kinds of jokes right now about um, you know um, they talked about it at Thanksgiving and they talk about at Christmas, you know how not to bring up politics at the dinner table. You know, <laughs> yes, uh, because of the the conflict that will ensue. Yeah, and there, you know, I
0: read an article about you know who's vaccinated, who's not vaccinated, mm, yeah. wearing a mask around people. You know, like right. just don't invite people that aren't right. this because they haven't.
1: So let me ask, how do you live it out then? How do what do you think? Oh, what's what's the? I, I, that's a great question.
0: <laughs> I, I, you know, it's one of those things. Is it is it just being silent sometimes? You know, because it, it's. Yeah. I feel like increasingly, I'm, I'm in situations, and I don't want to say increasingly, in situa- but in situations where it's like almost people are feeling out, like, where do you stand on this topic? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's like, well, well what- I'm going to say this, and I know it can be somewhat controversial. Right. Like, what do you think about it? And, you know, I find myself in times, in, in, even in work, like kind of going, mm. Mm, I'm just – you know, like, I don't want to talk about it because I, I don't. Right. Ignoring it. Uh, yeah. Ignoring it is, but is is that really bringing peace? Right. You know, good, I, I don't That's know. a good
1: question. Well, and, and I, I mentioned the, the, the pastor, you mentioned Blessed are the Peacemakers, but but one of the ones for me that's always, it's almost like a, what do you say, an uh, uh, oxymoron that it's kind of a, a, a you know, Peter says, Pursue peace, and, and so you you talked about peace being quietness, and that seems to suggest the opposite—that it's it's you know to pursue it. Mm-hmm. it. It's almost like that idea of activity in order to bring peace instead of inactivity. I'll say a, a couple things. Just the first thing you mentioned about being quiet, I I really advocate for for all Christians that we need periods of silence in our lives. We need we need periods of quiet. Um, and and here's the reason is there's so much noise and activity around us all the time that I think we lose touch with the voice of God in in the midst of that. So many louder voices right now that it's not until we're silent and even we quiet ourselves and our own thoughts. I don't know if you're like me, but you, mm-hmm. you know, e, e, even setting down sometimes, you know, there's a thousand things running through my head. I got to do this. I got to get this done, especially mm-hmm. maybe this time of year, ironically. Mm-hmm. But I always say Even if it's just a little bit of time, fifteen or twenty minutes every day, take a time of quiet. um, You know, as much as you can. I know some people have young kids, and it's it's very difficult. But take those times of quiet and just be in the presence of God. Now, I don't think that that. Brings us peace itself, but I think it puts us in an attitude that we can then bring peace mm-hmm. to the rest of our lives. So, so it's not just enough to say, "Oh, well, at least I've got 15 minutes of peace," but it's it's saying that I'm recognizing God's presence in my life in a way that I can bring that into the rest of my life.
0: Yeah, and I, you know, it's one of those things. I think sometimes we think peace only comes when everybody has homogenous thought you know what I mean
1: but exactly but I don't think that's well that's just the other thing I was going to say about when we're talking about with with one another I don't think it's just ignoring these topics but I think it's it's being very real with someone to say you know I love you and even when we disagree mm-hmm. uh, I I want relationship with you and I want us to to have good relationship but you know a couple of things I'll say is one one that's really um, I've noticed a lot. It, you, you were talking about people kind of sizing you up, and the interesting thing I found is is even though it, they'll ask me a question about one particular belief, whether it's something practical like you're saying vaccines or mask or whatever, or uh, maybe about some political some political um, uh, other other kind of topic, and and once I've answered how I think on that, it's almost like well I know how you stand on everything else. Then I know the rest right. of what you think about er- the yeah. rest of the world. Yeah. Yes. And, and and I've said this, and, I, and I'll say it very, very quietly and softly again, but I'll say it very pointedly. When that happens, we have made our political stance our primary identity, not our identity in Christ, hmm. okay? For me, I think I want my identity in Christ to be my primary identity and my political beliefs and my... You know, everything else, my sports teams, you know, literally I put it on that same level, mm-hmm. is secondary to who I am in Christ. Now, you know, I know some people say, oh, that's so Pollyannist, you know, you, you, how, how can you think that that's actually possible? But But here's what I'm going to tell you is when Paul talks about that in Ephesians 2, that passage I had you read, he was talking about Jew and Gentile. He was talking about about two groups that before would never have eaten a meal together. And in fact, for the Jewish people, they would never have gone into a Gentile person's home. And now we have these communities of followers of Christ, these followers of the Messiah, who are meeting together in homes, sharing communal meals, right? Mm -hmm. And so what Paul is saying is that Christ himself is our peace. So... I think if we focus enough on Christ and, and on what he is doing in us and and through us then we're able to be at peace with one another and we I mean what does what does he say elsewhere Paul says a couple places the Hebrew writer says this as well we f- we we fix our our eyes on Jesus right we 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 put our mind on things above and and, and so many times we focus on those things that separate us Rather than if we are in Christ and we share a common birth, we share a common need, uh, and, and we share a common solution, that's more important than the rest of it. That's the overriding narrative. That's the meta-narrative, if you will, or the word we've used before, worldview, mm-hmm. from which we see everything is how we are in Christ. Uh, and the disagreements that we have, I think, uh, have to be seen through that lens then. Well, we've just solved the problems for any churches that have <laughs> no, disagreements. I don't think I mean, we solve we've solved the problem, because we have to put it in practice, yeah. right? We have right. to put it in practice, and that's what you're saying is so difficult, is to actually live that out.
0: Yeah, yeah. So to, to, to make that our primary identity, right. is that in Christ, who is the bringer of peace right. is, is the one that, that binds us, and focus on that. and we, But we, it, it's hard, because we consistently live in a world that, it seems, is trying to... Create fighting lines. Absolutely, a wedge, yeah. wedge between all of us. And yeah. So if we're if we're in the church and we're in Christ, we need to focus. Dividing on
1: Dividing wall of hostility. I mean, I think there's so many ways in which that is so true today. And and uh, you know, Christ came to remove that. So yeah,
0: it's a great conversation.
1: Good. I'm glad so. Glad you yeah. think so. All
0: right. Well, uh, this is it, and then we have one more episode. And this is just a precursor for all of you out there. We're going to take two weeks off at the end of the what? year.
1: What? Two weeks? Two weeks? <laughs> two weeks of peace? No. <laughs>
0: Two weeks of me not editing an episode. Okay. Yeah. So we're gonna take two weeks off and we some... I guess you need
1: a little time with your family or yeah, whatever. And we're gonna have
0: some fun. Yeah. Fun, interesting things coming yeah. up for us in January. But
1: uh You're calling it, it season two, right? Season two. So this how many is, how many episodes do we have in a season like forty eight? Yeah, well, know. we didn't quite make that
0: because we okay. started in April. But anyway, okay. um, we're, it's going to be season two, and we've got some, good, some good things planned. But uh, we have one more episode this yeah. year in twenty twenty one. We're going to do a talk Christmas, about Christmas, Christmas, yeah. um, and so we'll hope you join us for that. So, um,
1: meanwhile, may you have peace. Yes, live out peace. <laughs> yeah, have a good one.
0: Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Ryan O'Brien's Brian's Bible Bistro. Next week is our Christmas episode. Brian and I chat about the world that Jesus came into and what that means for us. This upcoming episode will be our last episode for the year as Brian and I are going to be taking a two or three week break to celebrate Christmas and be with our families. With that said, you can find show notes, links and more at thebiblebistro.com as well as sign up for our email newsletter to stay in touch. You can find us and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Bible Bistro. And as always, you can subscribe to us on either Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you next Tuesday.